I'm trying to remember my first meal during lockdown. There's a 90% chance it involved a mushroom. I guess I turned hard to those little engines of decay to deal with a world that seemed to be falling apart and breaking down before my eyes. I took tinctures of the stuff, read books about them, talked to my guests about them. I ordered a fungal death suit so that my body could decompose naturally when it was put into the earth. I ate soup. So much mushroom soup. Now that was on account of the only place that we could find to deliver toilet paper also sold boxes of mushroom soup, and you needed a minimum order before the shipping would be free, so I loaded up my cart with box after box of gray, wet, earthy mushroom soup, and I ate almost all of it. To be honest, I still have a pouch of this stuff that I just can't bear to heat up. I can barely look at it, but <laughs> I know it's there. Kind of like the kitchen itself. It will be a while before I feel the joy and spark of thinking up a great meal to cook. Doing that three times a day, and then the dishes that come with it. Oh, I started just eating out of an Amazon box as I was so tired of scrubbing plates. We all went through it. And maybe it happened for you, too, that you experienced an almost quaint Depression-era chic <laughs> about our experience in the kitchen. I finally felt a sense of accomplishment ducking into the container of leftover bacon grease that my mother always told me to keep in the freezer. I found multiple uses for hot dog buns, some of which I'd rather not talk about. But then things shifted, didn't they? Restaurant delivery was safe and prevalent beyond just the one pizza parlor that always burned the crust. And then, once we discovered that some restaurants would also provide margaritas and little plastic sacks with straws that punched into the tops like adult Capri Suns, well, we just about gave up on cooking altogether and enjoyed a week-long margbender, complemented with a lot of Jimmy Buffett on the hi-fi. Right about that time, we uh, also stopped wiping down our groceries, and we stopped crying in the middle of the frozen food section, and things slowly approached normal. Still, I ate too many mushrooms. I'm going to need a little break from those. We're reflecting this week on food and comfort and pushing through boredom of isolation when we turn up the heat and slip through the frothy, delicious portal that leads us to... The Deep Night. Deep Night with Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased and honored to be your psychic sous chef, spiritual sommelier, and mindfulness maitre d' through the next hour of regrets and revelations we call The Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And spring is almost here for the Gowani, which means that the Gowanus Festival is almost upon us. And that means black mayonnaise on toasted tire buns, chocolate sludge sliders, dolphin-shaped cabbage puffs, all washed down with a glowing green asbestos shandy, a drink that's as salty as it is sharp. 
The specialty foods of the Gowanus Fest really put the ooh in umami. It's the one food event that leaves attendees saying, What did I just eat? Oh, we have fun this time of year, don't we? Now, uh, tonight on the program, we have a wonderful guest, Alison Roman, someone who many people have turned to during this past year. Alison has done much to help them feel less fearful in the kitchen and given them some confidence, maybe, to try new things, to take care of oneself through food. When everyone had to find something to make and then keep making, our guest was there with good ideas and an unfussy approach with a great deal of good humor. Safe to say that, like many of us, Allison is someone who had to navigate through some tough moments once she came into the public eye and everyone was suddenly making her now-famous shallot pasta. Nothing like a skinny onion to get people riled up. <laughs> well, it has not been seamless. She has largely come through the last year with a deep humility and expanded sense of empathy, and so we meet her in that place as we move forward together. Allison's cookbooks, food writing, and web series offer you an honest, unvarnished look at what it's like to make food in a way that's straightforward and funny. And in a sense, she's demonstrating what it's like to be in this world as a person who, like all of us, is, after all, imperfect. The seams definitely show, uh, like so many items falling out of an overpacked fridge, <laughs> certainly, uh, which happens many times in what may be uh, the most realistic presentation of what it's like to cook in a small New York apartment on her popular uh, series of uh, videos called Home Movies. Uh, and that's where she makes delicious meals using a tiny stovetop and a densely populated pantry. And we talk about this last year of cooking, what constitutes self-care, and I inquire about some of the more unusual dishes that I've eaten over the years to get her take. Now, as a listening note, I will say that Allison must, like me, have very dainty ears because her AirPods kept loosening themselves from their perch and falling this way and that, which makes for some fun noises <laughs> throughout the episode. What can I say? It's a pandemic, and if I could have sent her a roadcaster mic, I would have, but it's just us. And like so many things that Allison is involved in, and I am involved in, quite honestly, we're keeping things as they are and in this realm of the imperfect. So let's go to it. My conversation with Alison Roman. Alison Roman, welcome to the deep night. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, uh, I'm happy you're here. Thank you for making some time. This is terrific. I trust you're feeling the first inklings of spring out there. I am. I opened a window for the first time in what feels like 18 months. And I, it was like being outside. It was really delightful. It is. And there's a little bit of optimism that's starting to creep in, isn't there? There is. You know, it's like so cheesy to say, but I, I feel like spring inside and outside, you know? Oh, oh, oh well, that certainly stirs <laughs> a, a fondue pot of emotions. That's terrific. Um, and, and I get the sense that uh, you seem to have emerged from this past year, evolved and changed as we all have been, ready to move forward uh, into whatever comes next. Does that feel accurate to you? It really does. It, it's like a, the truest form of a human cocoon I could possibly imagine being in. And um, yes, that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, well, I'm a bit of an intuitive, Allison. So uh, yes, I feel well. you. Uh, you uh, I pick up on these vibes that you are really stepping into your power and now, and it's going to be a good year. So grab a crystal and hold on. Thank you. I think it's because I turned 35. Oh, well, happy, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you. It was in September, but, you know, it was like setting the stage for this phase. I was like, 35 feels like it's going to be my year. We'll yep. see. Yes, I think that's probably true. Well, uh, we have many great things to talk about. But first of all, I must ask you this. Would you be interested in joining a commune I'm starting here in Brooklyn? I would, actually. I've been looking into commune lifestyle um, for a while now. I, I dabbled at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, you know, there's something to this. There's yes. something to this. And I feel like it's about finding the right one, the right fit. So the answer is not no. <laughs> well, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> that's terrific. Uh, because we could use some different dishes around here. There's been Great. a lot I can of help. Uh, good, good. Yeah, a lot of uh, tofurkey chili. Uh, and we need to move past it. I just can't have another. <laughs> um, and of course, you grew up in California, which uh, leads me to believe that you are no stranger to communal living. Certainly, if you spend any time in Santa Cruz, that's a requirement. You know, it, I, I, contrib- I attribute the fact that I was doing communal living in Santa Cruz is the fact that I was 18. But yes, I am from California, from Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, it, I, I feel like the, the perception that I may have done more communal living in tofu, turkey, chili, or to- tofu, chili, <laughs> without turkey. Um, I ate a lot of meat, unfortunately. So sorry to ruin that fantasy for you. That's okay. No, I'm saying we need to move in that direction. So I'm very pleased. Now, okay, uh, I don't, I don't want to lose this uh, point though. You said you had experimented with communal living. What was that like? So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was supposed to be in Australia for a few weeks for a book tour, and then Tom Hanks got COVID in Australia, so it was it was canceled. It was off. Yep. Tom Hanks got COVID, but I had already given up my apartment to some friends who had needed some temporary living, so I. I decided to go upstate to my friend's place and bunk with them in their guest room. And these are my married friends, the couple, and then me. And, you know, three people for me at the time was very much communal living, right? Sure. Like I, I lived alone with my cat. And so it was about as communal living as we could get. Like one of us would make coffee in the morning and then the other person would make a breakfast food for us to eat throughout the day. And then we'd get together and drink a martini and figure out who was going to make dinner and what they were going to make. And it felt very much like we were in a throuple. <laughs> well, yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds uh, like it could be fun. And then it sounds like it could also quickly uh, be not fun. But uh, yeah. <laughs> they're good people. They, they were really open to it. They're like, they were down. We, yeah. you know, it, it went off without a hitch. Oh, well, good. I'm always glad yeah. to hear that. Um, well, speaking of uh, California, which we were not too long ago, uh, you also spent time in the Bay Area. Is that true? I did. I lived in San Francisco for about four years. Okay. Worked in restaurants there. Yes. Um, this, was like, this was like right when Facebook became a thing. It was like a very uh-huh. long time ago. And uh, so it was a really different scene. It was like not the not the tech haven that it, it is now. It was like pre-Silicon Valley. Right. Well, that's uh, when I lived there, too, uh, uh, and spent a little time there. Uh, and uh, there's not a city where, where the food just tastes so good, the air smells so clean, and yet it's kind of a dirty city. <laughs> it's not a dirty city. To me, it's like it taints me spiritually more than anything these days. Like, it's, yeah. it's so... 
at odds, like with its natural beauty and like fantastic culture that exists within the city has sort of been overrun by people that have like a disproportionate amount of money that don't know how to care for that city. So yes, yes it is dirty in that way to me. <laughs> That'll work too. And I tell you, you can go right back to it. Uh, if you just get a nice Humboldt fog and maybe a nice red oh. and you're instantly you know, I transported. Love Humboldt fog, actually. I love yeah. Humboldt fog. I, I could, I, a classic for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you, do you think that is there any uh, food memory from that place that was just uh, transcendent for you? Maybe it was the first time you had it and you just always crave it from that place? Um, when I was living there, I was working as a pastry chef. Um, so I had very little time off. I had like never had a weekend off, never had nights off. So it was tough for me to go eating places. But there are like a few spots. There was one. Um, there was one Burmese restaurant called Yamo, Y-A-M-O. Mm-hmm. And I think they closed recently or maybe in the past few years, but they, it was like one lunch counter. You could fit maybe five people inside the restaurant at a time and people would just wait outside and, and funnel in. And it was a really good place to go eat on your own. And they had these amazing, amazing noodles that I have not had anything like since or still. And I hope that I never do. I hope that it remains like a unique memory to that time and place. Yes, yeah. See, for me, I, I recall a, a place called Tiku's, uh, which was like mm. a, a crepe place. Uh, and, yeah. And just, just fantastic. And it was the first experience I had with that kind of uh, eating. And, uh, oh, when, when they closed due to big money moving in, it was a sad, a sad day for sure. Yeah, um, the city changed a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, well, without being uh, too controversial, did yeah. you have a burrito <laughs> place? Well, without being too controversial, I'm a taco person, not a burrito person. And that's like, I think, I think being from Los Angeles, tacos are what speak to me. And I, I did not let living in the Bay Area change that. Sure. Yeah. No, there were great tacos there, too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I looked about changing me. I think there was a delay. Sorry. There. Uh, but yes, I am a, uh, a taco person through and through. Burrito to me is just too much food in one receptacle and it's all touching and it's all soft. Like I prefer more texture, smaller bites, eating six tacos as opposed to one burrito. Absolutely. I understand it because uh, I also came to, because I would go back and I was a Cancun man and I love going there all the time. I did love Cancun. Love Cancun. Great, great, great. Uh, but that is a young person's game to have that late night burrito, uh, that that tube of, of, of foodstuffs is <laughs> it's too great for uh, those of us advancing in age. Uh, yeah, <laughs> now, speaking, that is for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of exhaustion, uh, this has been a long slog this past year of home meals and home cooking. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not complaining, really, because now I have your cookbook. And uh, I have uh, your movies, uh, the, the videos that you're making. Uh, so I feel a little bit better prepared, and there's some new things I can try. But uh, be honest, are you tired of cooking? Yes, every day. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm not tired of cooking. It's more that I'm tired of eating. Like, yeah. I love eating and I love cooking so much. I do it multiple, multiple times every single day. Um, but, like, I just feel like, I'm exhausted by the consuming of food constantly. Like I feel like I'm always eating and like, it's not like I'm tired of cooking and I wish I could go to a restaurant. I almost don't even want to do that. Like 
I think just doing the same thing where that's the main activity because before food was sort of woven into your social life. Like you would meet with a friend or have a meeting or, you know, take a work lunch or whatever. There was always something else going on while you're eating. And, and not that that means that you couldn't enjoy the food or that it would come second, but there was always something else there. Now it's like me in this room alone with food for the millionth time this year and it becomes the focus. And I think that that to me is what I'm fatiguing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> and what is the sort of non-cooking part of your day like? Great question. Um, I, I'm trying to do a lot of writing, um, which is a challenge because, uh, again, like similarly to sitting at a desk with food, sitting at a desk with your laptop day in and day out and trying to find inspiration of like deep in your brain when your your life seems to sort of be the same all the time it's a real challenge but that's you know one of the two two of the things that i do for a living being writing and cooking i can do from anywhere and i can do from inside a home so i don't feel like my work is necessarily suffered in logistics it's more just in creativity and like expansiveness like i'm like am i living too small am i is it, is it too, am I not branching out enough? Is it, you know, am I boring now? I, you know, never thought that I would be a boring person until I stayed at home for a year, but I guess we all feel that way. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty bored of myself. Uh, but do you have anything that you do on, on, along those lines that is, uh, you consider self-care or involved in wellness? Wellness is a word that I don't understand because wellness to me, I'm like, do I feel well? No, I don't. I, I do not feel well actively. <laughs> I feel unwell spiritually and emotionally. But I think that there's, there are things where like I um, will take a bath and that always makes me feel like very indulgent and that makes me feel like I'm doing something nice for myself. Like if I can finish out my day with enough time to take a, to take a bath, like sit in a hot tub of water and then go to sleep without watching any TV or, or programming, as it were. Um, I would consider that like a spa day. Like that would feel very nurturing to me. Sure. Um, anything that sort of takes me out of the rut of like working, eating, working some more, watching a thing to fall asleep, falling asleep, you know, that sort of cadence. But I, so I think baths, um, wine are very helpful. I love a product called Babyfoot. <laughs> Babyfoot is, if you're not familiar, it's like a thing that it's like a, a gel substance that you put on your feet and you put like a plastic bag around your feet and you leave it on for like an hour. And then in anywhere from five to seven days, your feet start to peel like the outer layer of your skin on your feet completely <laughs> comes off and not in a subtle way, not in a delicate way. Like in a full blown, like shedding, like reptilian way, but it is a delight, and your feet feel amazing afterwards. And I know a lot of people were doing this at the beginning of the pandemic, but now that you know the anniversary is upon us, I think it's time to consider babyfoot again. Well, I might treat myself to a, to a shedding. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you leave yeah. the bag on for the whole time, or you, the bag is a temporary Not piece of it? <laughs> the bag is only on for an hour. And then oh, you can okay. remove the bag and then you rinse your foot and like a few days go by and you're like, is anything going to happen? Maybe it's not working. Did I do it wrong? And then all of a sudden it just 
peels off in like sheets. It's like if you ever get a really bad sunburn and your skin yeah. peels, it's like that. Okay. It's thrilling. It uh, is thrilling. No, I'm on board. Uh, do, do you need to have a special shoe though? Or are you just kind of dropping <laughs> uh, skin throughout the house? Well, yes. It, you're basically dropping skin throughout the house. And so I was doing this while I was with, in my small commune. And we were just like, okay, new rule. Everybody wears socks. 24 seven because this is getting this is gross we're like who's peace we are vacuuming constantly like it's not safe out there it's not, i don't recommend doing it if you're like going on vacation or you know you started sleeping with somebody for the first time you want to do it where you have like some serious time to yourself without anyone needing to see what's going on underneath that sock yeah, that's not a new relationship move and uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> can certainly prompt some uh, uh, group meetings if you're <laughs> yeah. living. Yeah, we're going to call a house meeting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, uh, do you have any advice for people in relationships? And this is hypothetical. But let's say you actually can't bear to hear the words, um, what would you like for dinner from your spouse? Like if you yourself, like just don't want to answer that question ever. Again, hypothetically, let's just say that even uh, the the very uh, act of uh, broaching the subject, what would you like mm. for dinner, is like now after a year of of being inside, a dagger to your ears. Uh, is there anything you could do to kind of move through that? Maybe you just pick up a, a, maybe do what I did and pick up your recipe book and just start making things and just, we're all going to eat it. I love that for you. I love that <laughs> idea that you peruse my book and just kind of open it up, close your eyes, pick a page and, and that's what you make. But that's kind of what I would do. I would, I would also like ask myself, what is the, what is the, if I could have one thing tonight, because you know, grocery stores have pretty much everything. We have access to kind of whatever we want in most places um, these days. If you if you are willing to drive or if you, you know, have a grocery store within public transportation or walking distance, it's quite easy to kind of find most ingredients. So I kind of ask myself, like, what do I want more than anything in the world tonight? And sometimes it's like a baked potato. And if that's what I want, then like, that's, let's make that. I don't think it's about being the most creative or being the most like new every night. It's about reminding yourself that it's food and, and cooking is a source of pleasure. So it may as well be the thing that you want most in the world. That's, that's solid advice. I appreciate that. Um, is there, yeah. a, is there a pandemic dish that you just never want to eat or even smell ever again? <laughs> um, Hmm. I went through, I mean, I was going through a phase where I was eating like a, like a soft cooked egg or like a jammy egg, like one to two times a day. And I think my body was just really needing protein because it was like a craving. It was like, you know, a thing that I ate and I, I had to take a break and I couldn't even look at really an egg for a solid two months. I'm, <laughs> I'm slowly coming back around because I'm like running out of other ways to get, to like get nutrients into my body. Uh, but it is, it was, a rough for a minute because it became my go-to snack and and um, I had to take a, a respectful pause yep. from the egg. Yeah, I, I feel that. I've started adding a little turmeric to the to the fried egg uh, to get oh, that beautiful, that beautiful color on it. And it also yes. kind of just changes the smell enough that it fools me into think I'm eating something other than an egg again. That's true. I do love that. I love doing adding like 
chili flake to that also and maybe like a finely chopped or thinly sliced shallot to the olive oil like while you're frying the egg and it becomes yeah. like a bunch of crispy bits on top of the egg that's really good too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well <laughs> i have to say one of the reasons i reached out to you is because i'm a subscriber to your newsletter and oh, not thank too you. many Yes, of course. Not too many weeks back, I got an email from you with the subject frothy beans. And uh, yeah. that was not a, a subject or a pairing of words I had ever considered before. <laughs> but yeah. it yielded a, a lot of uh, uh, wonderful dishes there. Uh, do, do you still have the beans? Oh, I have literally a hundred beans. I could, I mean, you can't see this because. There's no camera here at play, but I can see you. And I just need you to see, this is a fraction of the amount of beans that I have on hand at all times. Oh my. Uh-oh, six packages. <laughs> yeah, for those of you at home, that's six packages. And I feel like I'm constantly making beans or some version of beans. So yes, that's definitely in the rotation. And I will say, actually, that's kind of one of the items that I had to pull it on as well. Because I realized that beans were making up about 87% of my diet, and I needed to get some other stuff going on in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I will confess that we never really used the entire bag, <laughs> bag of yeah. beans that we bought in the beginning uh, of this whole thing, because everybody told yeah. you you had to buy beans. I know. And, you know, they are good. As, I know I say this in the newsletter as well, which is like a little silly, but they are good gifts. Ah. Be- beans are yeah. a good gift. <laughs> bringing over a container of brothy beans to someone you like is a nice move. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to your point, like they can make five meals. You know, you can do so many things with them that I think that it is encouraging to already have like the backbone of dinner taken care of when you're like, oh, all you need to do is, you know, wilt some greens, toast some bread, fry an egg, you know, add some ground meat, uh, put some herbs on it, you know, whatever, canned tuna. There's a lot of different directions you could take it in. So. Yeah. Versatile. Yeah. I, I might not go Cantuna, but I like the rest. Of- <laughs> okay, good. Well, you know, each their own. I'm a, I'm a big tin fish girl. So. No, well, I like some of them. Um, sometimes when they get hot. Anyway, that's for another time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's a good advice. And now, along with the candle I usually give people, I'll give them a bag of beans and... Uh, let, exactly. let, them, let them have at it. Um, well, in addition to the cookbooks and the newsletter, uh, I'm also really appreciating your Tuesday Home Movies series. Uh, are we calling them web series? Is that what it is? What, what, what's the name for it? You know, I don't know what it's called. I'm, I'm like kind of a secret Luddite, and I don't know actually much about internet or internet terminology, but I suppose you could call it a web series. It is a series that occurs on the web. There so, you go. You know, I think that like the fact that it's weekly defines it maybe as a series i think that that's pretty safe to say okay let's 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 go with that and uh the last or this uh, week that we're talking uh uh you had the potato leek soup which i made last night oh good i you know when i was thinking of because that was a newsletter recipe as well i try to have like a full multimedia experience where you can read about it if you're a reader you can watch it if you're a watcher you can cook it if you're into cooking like i i kind of love the idea that when you're talking about food or cooking it that there's something for everybody but when i was deciding to do that as a video i thought you know this is actually the most boring thing you could watch somebody do but people seem to still really like it it's still fun i think that you know the idea is that even if it sounds like a boring recipe there are 
things inside that video that will help you become a better cook next time you're making anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it was delicious uh, for, for, for the record. Uh, I, I really uh, I loved it. Uh, and uh, my wife, Galinda, went back for seconds, which she rarely does when I cook. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Tell her thank you. And thank you for making it. Uh, yes, it was great. And uh, it reminded me, I once knew a very uh, elderly Polish man who uh, invited me over for dinner and made what he called soup. But it was just black beans with heavy cream. And that, that was it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is intense, but I love the sound of that. That's my kind of Polish man. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, um, well, the other, you know, in addition to the great recipes and sort of seeing how you actually do it and put the things together uh, in the home movies series, um, it's very honest. It's very to the point. It's very humble and i like when things fall out of the fridge or the cabinets we see that you're a real person uh, living in this place uh, uh, of new york and it's challenging here it is challenging and thank you yeah i mean i feel like i'm not well first of all it takes a lot more time to pretend to be somebody else that you're not and <laughs> yeah. i just sort of feel like you know once you experience being in any sort of public situation that you're never going to please everybody. You're never going to be for everybody. You're never going to fall in line with what, you know, everybody thinks the person should be. So you may as well just be 100% yourself. And if that means, you know, chaotic and a little disorganized and messy, especially in the kitchen, like, you know, I, I've been cooking now for 16 years and I'm, I'm definitely past the point where I was the most organized and together. That was probably when I was working in a professional kitchen, but it's my home. You know, I want to feel comfortable and not super worried, but also I'm, I'm cooking so much out of that small kitchen that of course my pantry is overflowing. Of course my refrigerator looks like the way it does. Right. You know, it's not like I'm living regularly, but you know, I also just was sort of like, it takes so much effort to make things look a certain way if that's not how things are actually looking. So really it's just about saving time. <laughs> we, we just shoot it the way that it's happening. We, we play it as it lays. Yes. Uh, well, it's a, a very small kitchen, an intimate kitchen. Um, uh, yes. But uh, between us, you could afford a bigger place, right? You know, I don't know that I could right now. <laughs> I, 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 my, one of my biggest hobbies is uh, cruising like street easy, right? And I'll, I'll put in a number and just kind of see what's out there. Sure. And I think that because of the pandemic, apartments in Brooklyn have become a lot more affordable and you can get a lot more for a lot less money. But I think that my needs are so specific in terms of like kitchen layout that I still like I found apartments that are almost exactly what I'm paying, which isn't much, to be honest. But the kitchens are so small that I could never get a camera in there. And now that I'm sort of like, OK, this is part of the thing that I do. But also my apartment is so unique. It's so quirky and weird and old. And like, I love the tin ceilings. I love even though they're low, I love <laughs> You know, I, I have not one closet in the whole place. I don't own a dishwasher or an elevator. There's no outdoor space, like zero amenities. But it is it is quirky and cozy, and and I really enjoy it. So. Yeah. Uh, one, one day, maybe I'll upgrade. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm well aware of that hunt and how keeping something uh, that is uh, specific to all of the needs because – Myself, I've got some years on you, but as I age, I'm less inclined to one shell out money to just move from one block to the next, but right. uh, uh, two to to disrupt what has I figured out how to make this place work, and 
although the word gets bandied about a little bit, uh, there's something authentic uh, <laughs> about yeah. operating this way. So yeah. even as you're creating in these spaces that we're living in, um, it still is, it's you. <laughs> it's very it's, much me. It's, it, I knew the second I walked in when I, when I went to look at it. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know what, this is weird and kind of un- non-traditional and not that nice, but it's full of personality and charm and I love it. And I think this is where I should go. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, how do we feel? Uh, because you make a lot of one uh, pot dishes or one pan dishes, that kind of thing, which I also appreciate because I'm doing the dishes. Um, how do we feel about leftovers? I love leftovers. Sometimes I cook for leftovers. That's not to bring it back to beans, but beans make great leftovers because they're so versatile. But I, I do, I sometimes cook just to have leftovers. Like I'll make a big stew and then maybe put them in a container, bring it to a friend, put them in the freezer and then eat them tonight. Right. So it's like a three part situation. Um, I like to cook things like big pieces of fish, you know, meant for like six or eight people. I cook them slow, slow cooked in olive oil or something like that. And then I have, you know, fish that I sort of keep stored in that olive oil and I can eat it for lunch. I can eat it for dinner. Um, and it carries me through many different meals. Um, I'm not like a meal planner. I don't really plan for anything, but I know that if I have a piece of nicely cooked fish in the fridge, I'm going to eat it because I spent money on it and it goes with a lot of things. And, you know, it gets me halfway to wherever I'm going just by having it cooked already. Yeah. Yeah. See, my mother was not a great cook and we didn't have a lot of money. So we never really had seconds or leftovers. So I didn't grow up with that impulse. So a lot of things just sit there in the fridge and gather. And it's sad a little bit, but um, I I do appreciate a cold spaghetti sauce or or Uh, perhaps a. Love cold pasta. Love cold pasta. It's good. It's good. In dining in, I wrote a recipe for leftover pasta. Kind of a joke, (laughs) but. You know, the idea being like leftover pasta tossed with like a lot of herbs and capers and some shallot and lemon juice and olive oil is fantastic. And it's, you know, not like the hot, saucy pasta you're used to, but it, it really hits the spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're, we're uh, good on peanut shells, right? You can just eat that whole thing. You know what? I know. I, I That was a bold choice making that public knowledge, but thank you for picking up on that. And yeah, that was a habit that I picked up as a kid that I just never let go of and my body seems okay with it which I don't know what that says about my body but, but well, like, I, I think we're probably very similar body wise because I also just eat the shells oh good okay well that makes me feel a lot less alone yeah oh good well well then mission accomplished yeah <laughs> um well I know you're a big proponent of anchovies and forgive me for jumping around to many different food items but no, uh, I love it perhaps that's how my brain works sometimes where do we stand on sardines and I asked because I was once in Venice well I've been there a couple of times <laughs> not not to brag but I've been there yeah, a couple wow. times and uh, uh have you been there I've been once, but it was yeah. for the day. I didn't really get to immerse myself in. Okay. Scene. Okay. But you like a tin fish is what you said. So sardine is okay. Oh, love, love, love a tin fish. Um, I eat them almost like I eat tuna. So I'll turn them into salad, but I also like to eat them on crackers. Um, I like to turn them into pasta. Love sardines. I love fresh. I love tins. I love, you know, when you go, I've been to Spain a few times, not to brag. And Portugal, again, not to brag, but (laughs) going there and like bringing back 
so many different types of tin seafood, especially sardines where they have them in like a chili garlic sauce or, you know, peppers or um, lemon and wine. And I don't know, they just, they get so inventive with how they package the tin fish over there that it in and of itself is such like a perfect snack or something to build dinner around. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan. Love it. In Venice, they had a dish that was a kind of regional specialty that was sardines, uh, onions, raisins, and some kind of vinegar sauce. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you would probably enjoy it. I It was not my thing. And sometimes you get to a place and you want to try a regional dish and you realize why it hasn't spread. <laughs> the very small yeah. place. Yeah. It definitely will depend on the quality of your sardine. But, it, you know, sardines are fishy. They They have a... They smell like fish. And yeah. a lot of people, um, you know, my younger self included, had a tough time with that. But I've come around. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, I love, uh, I do love Italian food, and I love watching Stanley Tucci, uh, uh, who is, has this show now. Have you seen the show? I have not, but I'm also very out of the loop these days. Okay. I sort of, okay. like, I deleted Twitter. I am i don't have regular TV. Like, I'm, I'm sort of living off the grid, so to speak. But I have heard that he has a show where he travels around Italy and people seem to really enjoy it. Yes, it's just effortless and very chic. Um, and it looks like the whole show is built around that scene in Julia and Julia where he eats the fish in the beginning and there's so much butter. He's just closing yeah. his mouth and saying, mm, mm, oh, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole show. It's, it sounds so nice. <laughs> I would like nice. to go travel with Stanley. Yes. He's open to having me. <laughs> He's my ideal person. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, uh, uh, Allison, I know uh, we, we don't have a lot of time left. I keep learning so many great things from you, including a lot about buttermilk. So thank you. Uh, oh, good. That. Yeah, a lesson that'll stay with you forever, I hope. <laughs> yes. And I'm trying to talk myself down from being too fussy over a meal. That's something I also picked up. And uh, finally, I'm really interested in being maybe a hype person for you, uh, modeling some merch, because you have a lot of great sayings in the home movie series <laughs> that uh, yeah. perhaps uh, we could put on a nice, handsome, short sleeve turtleneck in time for spring or summer. Uh, things like, this is a personal soup, or uh, my three <laughs> moods, spriggy, leafy, and coarse, or sand is heavy. I mean, that's just one episode, and I know there's a lot. Yeah, sand is heavy. I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't write it if I tried. I, it just pours <laughs> out of me. I, you know, feel free to help me monetize that part of me. Um, we, I'd love to figure out a short sleeve turtle, black turtleneck for spring. Oh, good. <laughs> I think it would be a hot <laughs> seller. Maybe also in a taupe or something, too. So the oh, sand yeah. is very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to be tasteful about it. You know, we, we can't hit them over the head with the merch. It's got to be. Like only real home movies heads will will get the references, but a dedicated audience, I think. That's right. You get it. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, uh, this has been really terrific, and I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, I'm going to continue to cook from the books, uh, and uh, with all sincerity, yours is one of the few that I've picked up, and I've just thought I could make that. I would like to make that. And I will make that. It's one of the ones almost every page I look to and think, yes, okay. That's not true. Sometimes you pick up a recipe. Uh, uh, that's not true of all other books, I mean. You pick up a, a, a cookbook and you look at it and you think, there's nothing here. There's one recipe I might make. But this one uh, is, is just full of things that sound good 
<laughs> look accomplishable. Aww. And uh, the writing is very approachable. And, uh, you know, I know as a writer, it can be difficult to get to that, again, authentic voice. But it's your personality comes through very clearly uh, in here. Oh, thank you. It's, it's just terrific. It's uh, great fun to cook. And we'll, we'll join my my uh, shelf there with a few others that I treasure. So, oh, so good. thank you so much. That is the highest compliment for sure. I, I really just wanted people to use it. That was, that was my goal. And so to hear that you are and that you see that is means a lot. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, well, I wish you great success with all these other things that you've got going. Uh, obviously we'll be tuning in every Tuesday is when home movies is out, right? That's right. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, which, you know, <laughs> We've, we've somehow managed to stick to that schedule, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, well, uh, again, Allison, thanks for joining me uh, and uh, continued success with everything. It's just great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to speak with you. All right. So there it is, to the point. I do thank Allison for joining me and being so generous. It's always a fun experience to meet someone for the first time and not be sure what's going to happen. <laughs> Luckily, I think we got to a good place there, and I'm eager to try this baby foot procedure. That's a recipe you can use. I might even surprise Galinda with my baby soft heels at our next Tantric Tuesdays. Well, if you're interested, you can find Allison's fantastic cookbooks, Dining In and Nothing Fancy, wherever books are sold. It sounded like I was gushing a bit there, but I really do think these cookbooks are worth it. Sometimes you pick up a cookbook, or one is re-gifted to you, and uh, you're lucky if you find one, maybe two things that you can make. But in Allison's, it's just page after page of uh, solid, uh, very doable recipes. I made the uh, soup <laughs> just to have something other than mushroom to, to eat. <laughs> but I have made other things of hers as well. And they're all tasty and low impact for the home dishwasher, who in this case is me. For her newsletter and video series home movies, visit AllisonRoman.com and sign up. You won't be disappointed. And whether it's on yourself, in the kitchen, or towards others who may be doing their best in these times, remember to be kind and have some compassion towards one another. Empathy always wins. And another thing to keep in mind is that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Spring is coming, folks. It really is. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Kadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at DaleSeaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance. <laughs>